Before we jump into today's conversation, let's take a moment to acknowledge our amazing sponsor, the Academy of Therapy Wisdom. Oh my gosh, we love this platform. They're the place I go now for all my CEUs. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Please join us for our next live online workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, April 3rd through 6th of 2024. This is an experiential, active workshop designed to engage you in brain states that promote relational learning. If you want to get closer, say the things that usually go unspoken and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments. This is the workshop for you. Go to widestmypartner.com to learn more and register. Welcome to the Why Does My Partner podcast. I'm Jules. I'm Vicki. And I'm Rebecca. We're your hosts. We're also couples therapists and messy humans bumbling through our own relationships every day. We met at a training, and our secret sauce is that we and our partners became fast friends. Between us, we have more than 40 years of experience holding hard relational questions with our clients. We're going to bring those questions here. And together, we're going to take a stab at answering those questions. This podcast is not a substitute for couples therapy. If something you hear in this podcast stirs something deep within you about your relationship, reach out to a couples therapist in your area. We also love to hear your questions, so don't forget to go over to whydoesmypartner.com to leave a question of your own. Here's today's question. Welcome back. Hello, mini series fans. <laughs> I am so excited. We're going to do a mini series on choosing, being chosen, and belonging. What? I know. It's one of the biggest things, I think, when it comes to our partnerships. Of, It's like the vulnerable space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's the vulnerable space. It's also the protected space. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Like, it's vulnerable. So the other end of that is it's the place where a lot of folks wall in or wall off. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So if you ever have worries out there about, does my partner really choose me? How am I doing at choosing them? Do I feel belonging in this relationship? If we have questions about that coming up in you, this might be a mini series for you. Yeah. So there's going to be like three episodes in this series and we're going to be tackling these questions with tenderness. Mm-hmm. Tackling tender. <laughs> Football and dance. Art. Beautiful. Art and rugby all at once, ladies and gentlemen. Shall we jump into the first question? Let's jump in. So here's the first question. Why does my partner prefer to keep the status quo of distance in our relationship? My Mm -hmm. head's exploding with answers. (laughs) Really? Oh my gosh, list your answers. Well, they were a jumble, right? But like, because closeness is scary because my partner may not have grown up with that in their house. Um, Because, well, scary because I can hurt him. Mm -hmm. Um, And scary because he can hurt me too, right? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Distance is safer. 
Well, for right. some, it's not for me. Once I said that out loud, that didn't fit for me at all. But I think for some, it feels that way. Well, no, I think maybe in a universal way, it fits because of this piece. There is nothing um, not risky about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's no such thing as closeness without it. Okay. Oh, wait, I just saw your face. What thought did you have? Uh, well, maybe it... here's maybe what happened <laughs> is that your face reminded me of this truth is there's plenty of couples I've worked with who maybe sit together on the couch every day or are super cuddly or even like really t- spend a ton of time together. Maybe they work from home together, but <laughs> neither no one of them would be, say they feel that close. I mean, there's closeness mm-hmm. in the proximity, but there's no vulnerability. So I guess what I'm tagging as risky is the vulnerability. The opening up. Yeah, well, right? I'm thinking about Brene Brown's definition of it, right? Mm-hmm. The um, uh, emotional risk without guarantee of outcome. Well, isn't that what I'm saying by opening up? I, or can yeah. you open up without being vulnerable? Uh, uh, yeah, I yeah. think I think there's a way that you can open up without yeah. being vulnerable. I think some people might open up by like, I'm going to tell you everything I'm thinking and feeling and kind of barf it on you. Mm-hmm. And it might even be a little intrusive, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's historically me. That's why I'm like that. <laughs> I wasn't talking about you. I'm but sure you were. That you, that you heard that I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But yeah. so, so I think there are ways of being being open or pre, mm-hmm. being maybe thinking that we're being open. Without real, like, and, and vulnerability is not just about what we share, right? Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is also about what we can take in. Like, yeah. I was sitting with a couple today where one partner was really going really deep and exploring some of their real truths. And the other partner was really staying present and listening to that mm-hmm. without defense. Mm-hmm. And what I named in that session was how vulnerable the partner who was listening was actually being. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was, Vulner- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was speaking with a client today about uh, being anti-vulnerable. And what he was sharing is one of the riskiest things he could ever do is take in care from another person. Mm-hmm. One of the riskiest mm-hmm. things he could ever do was take in that somebody was trying to be tender towards him yeah. or to touch him kindly. And so he rejects all of that because he grew mm-hmm. up in a house where that was really dangerous to let mm-hmm. anybody be close to you. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of vulnerability in receiving. Yeah. Just like there's vulnerability in of- receiving, vulnerability mm-hmm. in listening, vulnerability in opening up. And that might be the only one we really usually in our culture talk about. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability yeah. in being seen and letting somebody really know you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I have worked with a lot of people in my practice where they grew up in homes where they had to hide so much of themselves in order to survive. That if if their caregivers. And I use that term very loosely in these cases, Mm -hmm. um, if the people, the adults who were raising them uh, really knew them, that would make them more vulnerable to getting hurt by those people. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. 
right? So, so a lot yeah. of us come into adult relationships with really difficult histories mm-hmm. that make being vulnerable and opening ourselves to relationship and connection mm-hmm. something we need to learn in a new way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it could be through modeling, right? So I grew up in a family with distance. Mm-hmm. then it's not really reactivity or from pain necessarily. Maybe it wasn't even painful for me, but it's like, well, this is what relationship looks like. This is what yeah. relationship feels like in my bones. It's like what it feels like in my joints to be mm-hmm. this way. That's right. And so it's not coming from a pain space as much as it is habitual space. Yeah. And then for others sure. of us, it may be that we've learned to fear reactions from other people or fear abandonment. So we may have fears around, well, if I take in a little bit of care and then it goes away later, that makes it even worse. Or it may be too that you you have um, somebody who, uh, how do I say this, is kind of anticipating some sort of rejection. Uh, yeah, rejection or or pain or getting dropped or discovering mm-hmm. that they weren't enough after all. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of like sometimes people are in relationship and they're replaying an old story. Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. grew up in a home where, and you can fill in the blank here, mm-hmm. and then they're looking for confirmation that that story is still true in their current relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if and though they don't want it to be. I mean, this is all subconscious. Mm -hmm. But like if I have a story, um, everything I do is wrong. Then I certainly don't want to be looking for proof of that. Yeah. But I'm. (laughs) (laughs) And I might be defended against anything that shows up as a potential confirmation of that, which might make me appear more distant. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I don't want to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. Well, and I'm thinking about it from the receiver's end. Right. So the person who asks this question is actually receiving the distancing. Mm -hmm. And how does that land? So one, it may be that your partner does not think of it as distance. Right. (laughs) Because if it's modeling, like what, what you think is close and what your partner thinks is close, maybe totally different maps. (laughs) Surprise. Um, (laughs) But when we take that in, we can feel like not chosen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think there's something Mm -hmm. to be, can we talk about distance for a minute? Because Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, we, we often talk about the difference between provocative and responsible distance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking those words. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so like, I, I want our listeners to like hear that provocative distance versus responsible distance. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right. So provocative distance is like provoking some kind of reactivity or reaction in your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Think of it as like, most people are going to have an unpleasant emotional experience right now. Yeah. So like <laughs> if here's, here's a provocative distance. So um, let's say Adam and I are in the kitchen and we're chatting about something and it's starting to get a little heated. And I say, I just can't talk to you about this right now. And I run out of the room. 
and start running a bath. He's like, babe, what's going on? Nothing. I'm just relaxing now. Okay. <laughs> that was provocative. Never I've never done, done that. that. Me neither. <laughs> right? So that that's a that's a provocative distance taking. And sometimes it can be really subtle. So like it could be a provocative distance to have kind of a a coexistence sort of space. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like we're really close or necessarily connecting about anything in particular. And we're one sitting person, next to each other and watching TV together every totally, night. I mean, like night, for hours. Like, and the other person's <laughs> maybe not so fine with that. And they keep wondering, hey, could we have a date night maybe? And you keep not answering. That's provocative <laughs> distance. Mm. You're kind of ignoring the bids for connection. That's provocative distance taking. So it could be really subtle mm-hmm. where it's Provocative. That's super spo- super different than responsible distance taking. Yeah. So responsible distance taking is when I have enough of an observing self on board. I can witness myself enough that I can use distance as a way to slow things down and let you know I need to go take care of something for me, or here's what my need is, and I will circle back and give you some kind of expectation around when you can expect me back. Right. So if you're a person who maybe needs more time, you need things to move slower, you actually don't like too much closeness. You can follow these steps is one, I'm going, here's how long I'm planning to go. Here's when I'll be back. And if it feels appropriate to you, a little bit about why maybe you're going. Right. So Mm -hmm. it goes okay, I need to take a pause. I'm actually feeling kind of overwhelmed and I want to take some space to figure out what's going inside on inside for me. I'll circle back to you about this tonight after the kids go to bed. Responsible distance ticking. Sometimes yeah. I can't even get that much out and I literally spit out, time out. Mm-hmm. And that's all I can do because awesome. I'm going to explode. But at least I'm still giving him that heads up of like there's something going on. And this is something we talk about in our workshops, right? Mm-hmm. But timeouts are such a beautiful use of responsible distance mm-hmm. taking. What they sometimes require, often most of the time require, is a conversation when we're not Beforehand. in the heat of the moment. Yeah. So that we have a shared language there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if we have that shared language, now I can spit out something like timeout and we know what it means. But if we don't have that shared language, then it becomes provocative, right? Mm-hmm. So... When you are talking about this at that non-heated uh, moment, what I like to tell my couples is, so your timeout means I love you so much. Mm-hmm. I am not going to let parts of me that are really not relational talk directly to you right now. And mm-hmm. I won't be able to stop them on my own. So I'm <laughs> going to take some space. And go take care of me so that then I can come back and take care of you. So it's taken from the eye. So I'm not taking a time out Well, you're pissing me off right now. So now I'm walking away from you. That's provocative. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a time out saying, I will not let myself mistreat you because I respect you like this. This was a hard one for me to learn because I remember there were times when I was starting to get all these skills down and I thought I was really where I'd take a time out when I saw my partner get activated. 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, you can't do this anymore. You've mm-hmm. got, no, mm-hmm. it's not about my partner. It's mm-hmm. about the fact that if I stay engaged with you and you're like this, I'm not going to be a good relational partner in the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to take care of us. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it a responsible taking of distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm noticing if you feel like there's a status quo of distance that doesn't feel good to you, it might be time to have a meta conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About maybe um even a values conversation about mm-hmm. what do we value in relationship? What kinds of relationship feel good to you? What kinds of relationship feel good to me? And can we start to think about this in a way where we're being clear with each other, at least, mm-hmm. about what feels good yeah. to each of us? There's one other thing I w- want to come back to, and that's the word status quo in this question. Mm-hmm. Cause because mm-hmm. those words are reminding me of this idea of like stable misery. Like mm-hmm. so many couples live inside of this space mm-hmm. of like, it doesn't really feel great. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, World War Three all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, uh, mm. yeah. uh, we're kind of coexisting, you know, we're roommates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fine. We're not Good enough or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah. I don't know if I'd even call it good enough. Well, that's the thing. The person who says status quo of distance is probably not in a place where it feels good enough. Yeah. I'm but wondering if the partner, the partner does. does that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah, actually yeah. feel fine about it. Mm-hmm. The other piece, I think, um, is that uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name who wrote it. Uh, the All or Nothing Marriage. And now I'm not remembering it. The gentleman's name who wrote it. But um, we can put it in the show notes for you so that we can get that that in there um, so you can find this book. But I love an idea that he shares in this book is sometimes when we talk about healthy partnership or close partnership, it sounds like we're talking about a stable experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what he's suggesting is that thinking about life in that way is super weird because life has the tons of changes in it and different moments where we have different like um, amount of need and only lasting truth is change availability <laughs> for mm-hmm. meeting each other and so like if I'm at seventy percent and Adam's at eighty percent then we probably have a decent night but what happens when we're both at like thirty percent? Mm-hmm. And we're Wait, how do we take care of ourselves and each other? Like, how do we take I care had, of our relationship? Totally. I had stuff blow up this week with this course I'm teaching. I have not had enough sleep. I have had to work every single night. I am tapped. If he wants to have a feelings conversation tonight, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I love you. And closeness is not in the cards for me today. Right. right? And so if he you know, luckily he actually has been feeling the weather. So we're both Mm -hmm. like cool with the distance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but there's, there's these moments where, oh, sorry. Did you say his name? Yeah. Eli Finkel. Thank you. Yes. Eli Finkel's book. So what he's talking about is, could we just know that maybe there are days or even seasons where more distance or more coexisting is going to be more how it is. And there can be moments where we're having more like climbing for Mount Everest. Yeah. 
tiny it moments in our relationship. doesn't have to be everything all the time. It's, you know, I'm kind of thinking it's kind mm. of like when, when my kiddos were toddlers and they were like starting to explore food and like getting just on solid foods. And it wasn't about like having to eat a fully balanced meal every day. It was more about over the course of the week or even the month, did they get enough nutrition? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so using a different frame of like, is it always like, is, is the status quo, like, is it always at this level? And is there always distance? And are, mm-hmm. are those needs for connection never being met? Mm-hmm. Or is it a seasonal kind of approach to things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh, I have a hard U-turn. It just came up for me. <laughs> and if the story you are telling yourself in your mind is my partner keeps a status quo of distance and you choose to say nothing, you are keeping a status quo of distance too. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good place for us to land today. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that was a powerful statement at the end. Mm. Yeah. Take care of yourselves and each other. Yeah. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. That wraps up this week's episode. Join us again next week for another Why Does My Partner? We hope that you continue to listen wherever you get your audio and that you'll follow the show. To go deeper, join us at one of our workshops. You'll find our next date at whydoesmypartner.com. Did you know you can ask us your questions? Your questions are relational gold. Go to whydoesmypartner.com to either write in or record your question for a future episode. We want to tell you more about our sponsor, Therapy Wisdom. Jules is one of their amazing educators, and you can also find teachers like Janina Fisher, Bessel van der Kolk, Deidre Fay, and Akila Riley Richardson, plus a bunch of people you might not have heard of, but will definitely want to start following once you take their courses. And because you listen to us, the Therapy Wisdom team is offering a secret code to give you free access to one of my one-hour wise conversations. Use the code WDMP at checkout. If you're a licensed therapist, coach, healer, or someone who's invested in doing the deep work of personal healing and want to learn about topics like neurobiology, supporting trauma healing, incorporating intersectionality and somatic work, then this is the place for you. Discover some of the most heart-led and quality courses available in a community of people who are invested in spiritual growth, equity, inclusion, and developing expert-level clinical skill. Visit therapywisdom.com or click the link in the show notes and use the WDMP discount code. Thanks, Therapy Wisdom. We love you.